Okay, it's, it's, it's good to see you all. This is, as Rebecca said, the second part of a series of three where we're going to look deeply at prayer. Because prayer is central to who we are as Christians. The first one, we looked at the power of prayer to change the world, which sounds like a, a rather grand title, but it's one of the only things that will. We looked at the importance of working like it depends on us and praying like it depends on God, because both is true. I reminded you that your prayers are irreplaceable, that nobody prays like you do. And there is important kingdom-releasing prayers that only you can pray. Your prayers are very important to the kingdom of God. We looked at how to pray with faith, to pray uh, big and specific prayers, not just prayers that we can answer ourselves, or woolly, or vague prayers, but big, God-honouring, mountain-moving prayers. And we finished with the encouragement to take the long view in prayer, like the prophet Daniel, to pray in ways that will transform the experience of future generations. To pray like we're planting seeds that only people in the future will be able to eat the fruit of. What a privilege. To pray in ways that will have an impact long after we're gone. We really can change the world with our prayers. Session one, that was. Now, this week, we're going to look at another great privilege of prayer, and that is how to know God and to experience His presence in prayer. This is coming back to the real heart of who we are as followers of Jesus. This is where the rubber hits the road for us as Christians, where it matters. This is one of those things that I can imagine when we meet Jesus face to face, we will wish we'd spend more of our time learning how to encounter him in prayer in this phase of our lives. Now, I don't want to give you a formula or a prescribe a practice. What I would like to do is just to ask you some questions, and I want to share with you some truths, and I also want to give you some territory you can explore in prayer. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit just to apply whatever's necessary to you in your prayer life. Okay, so you're ready for the first question. Does your spirit like God? And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here. Does your spirit like God? How good is God to you? We all know the right answers mentally. But what about your spirit? When you come to God in prayer, how do you feel as you approach the Lord? What is your expectation? I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud, but just in the quietness of your own heart. Do you expect that God will be happy? Or disappointed? Do you expect to find Him angry? Or protective and caring? Or maybe distant and indifferent? What is your instinct when you pray? Maybe I could ask, what picture do you hold in your mind when you pray? 
Maybe you picture him smiling and deeply attentive to you. Or maybe, maybe you picture him with a checklist or a to-do list. So right now, in your experience, this week, who is God to you? What is he like? I've come to understand that it is possible to hold completely inaccurate perceptions of who God is. That affects how we pray. Because it affects whether or not your spirit enjoys the thought of spending time with God right now. That will have a profound impact on your prayer life. Do you remember that story that Robin told last week about the tractor mechanic? He had a very distorted picture of who God was, and therefore he was angry with God. When Robin brought up the Lord, when he said about you know, what he used to be a missionary in the jungle, and, and this is what he used to do, he used to go around telling people about God and making God known to people, and the man had a huge reaction. He was like, when I meet God, I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. Do you remember him saying that? <laughs> and then when Robin dug a bit deeper, actually the perception that this man had about God was completely distorted. He blamed God for all sorts of things that God wasn't responsible for. And he'd caricatured God as this person who was angry and, and vindictive and vicious. When actually Robin had to begin to repaint the picture of God for that man. And as he repainted the picture of God and began to show him what God was really like, how that man felt towards God began to change. Sometimes we need to have the picture that we have of God repainted in order for us to feel differently towards God, and that opens the way to encounter. So, how about you? Beside what you know up here, how does God make you feel? Does your spirit really like hanging out with God? Or are you bored or frustrated or fearful at the idea of hanging out with God and being in his presence? Does your, does your spirit know the way to know God's goodness? Or have you lost your way on a spirit level? We need to make sure that our spirits are connecting with who God really is. Because it's the first step to encountering God in prayer. So here's the truth. That was the question, here's the truth. God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. God is love. That is the truth and the foundation and the cornerstone of our relationship. And it... The fact that God is love is the essence of every encounter with God. God will never meet with you without his love as being part of the equation, without him meeting you as a loving father. Even if it's a hard and corrective word, it will be with love, because he is love. However far we find ourselves from that appreciation of God, it doesn't change the truth. God is love. This will always be his nature. That is true in any moment and for all time. Sometimes we need to remind our spirits about what he is like towards us. 
Here's a great piece of territory to explore. 1 Corinthians 13. It's all about love. And therefore, it's all about God. This is what God is like. God is kind and patient. He's never jealous, boastful, proud or rude. God isn't selfish or quick-tempered. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs that I do. God rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. God is always supportive, always loyal, always hopeful, always trusting. God never fails. That's what love is like. That's what God is like. And sometimes we can forget what God is like. If your spirit has forgotten just how wonderful God is to spend time with, we may need to simply meditate on those verses in 1 Corinthians. Meditate on his characteristics. We can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth and to help us experience the truth of these words. And I believe that when we ask him for his help, that negative picture of God that we can sometimes have lurking around in there will flee. And we can re-establish our relationship with God upon who he really is. He is wonderful to spend time with. Always. So that's the first thing. God is love. Being with him is pure joy. And we need to make sure our hearts know him properly. And if your picture of God needs repainting, let God do that through his word. Because his word has the power to change how we feel on the inside, not just what we know up here. Okay, second question. Where is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit allows us to encounter God. We experience the Father through communing with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So where is the Holy Spirit? Anyone like to shout out some answers? You can't really go too far wrong with this one. Where is the Holy Spirit? Within you, everywhere. Anymore. That's pretty well encompassing. <laughs> Within you and everywhere. <laughs> what did Robin say last week when he sensed God speak to him? When Celia, his wife, said to him, You're not the man I married. He said, he said I didn't hear that up here. He said, I felt it in here. Those words hit me right in the spirit. And so what did he do? He went and shut himself in his shed. And he said, I'm not coming out of here until you tell me the way forward. Until you tell me what I've got to do. It's one of only a few times in his life that he's done that. A dangerous prayer. Where was the Holy Spirit in that shed? It was in Robin. Robin knew that he could do that because he knew the Holy Spirit was within him. He knew that God was there and able to speak with him in that moment. So here's the truth. 1 Corinthians 6.19 You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. 
I love this one too in 2 Timothy 1 verse 14. You have been trusted with a wonderful treasure. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. So the Holy Spirit is not just beyond the distant galaxies or just resting upon a few Christian superheroes. The Holy Spirit is within me and the Holy Spirit is within you. And here's the point. If you forget that the Holy Spirit is within you, you will not expect to experience God. You will not reach out to him or listen to him. You'll not tune into his voice or feel his presence or know his guidance in your life. And that will make a huge difference in how you experience God in prayer. On the flip side, if you get used to the fact that the Holy Spirit is within you and will speak to you and encourage you and guide you and shape your character to be awesome like Jesus, you're going to have a strong incentive to pursue encounters with God in prayer wherever you are. And you will find that place where you hear God's voice the best. You are a walking temple of the Holy Spirit himself. That is the truth. And here's some territory to explore. There is a very, very exciting piece of territory to explore that lies just between reading the Bible and prayer. And you can encounter God there more than anywhere else in your life. It's easily passed by, it's easily missed, but it's a little bit of territory that I like to call meditation. It's all too easy to jump from fairly academic study of the Bible straight into a whole stream of prayer without spending time pondering the Word and asking the Holy Spirit to lovingly speak to you about what you've just read. So before we read anything into the text, before we ask God for anything or talk about our day, just simply to ask the Holy Spirit, who is within us, to speak to us. Ask the Lord some questions. What does this passage really mean? Show me what this really means before I put any of my thought or agenda onto it. What does this mean? What do you want to show me? What are you saying to me today? And then linger there. Sometimes we have to reread with our ears open. We ponder, we listen, we see what we notice, we ask further questions, we ponder some more. And then when he speaks, when something begins to be highlighted and make sense to us, begins to resonate within our spirit, we take it seriously. Ask him to shape your heart with his word through conversation with him. I know that some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a great deal of time for that. My life is very full. Well, mine is too, but I can tell you that it's worth it. I don't always achieve it as much as I'd like to. I don't spend as much time in meditating on God's word as I would like to. I'd actually like to waste huge chunks of my life doing just that. But in the busyness, it's so important to find Jesus. It's so important to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. It's so worth it. It's, such a, it, it's a game changer and it's worth making time for, especially if you're very busy. Especially if you have a demanding job. 
You'll be a better person if you do. And the people that you work with and the people that are in your family will thank you for it. Okay, so the truth is, the Holy Spirit is not far away, but is within each of us. And the territory we can explore is that of pondering the word until God speaks to us. God can speak to you every day. You can encounter God profoundly for yourself in your own situation every day through that little bit of time in between reading your Bible and praying about the things of the day. Are you ready for a third question? Question three. When is it easy for you to encounter God? In what situations do you feel you can most easily sense God's presence? If you have some feedback, you can shout out answers. When do you most easily encounter God? When do you feel His presence? By the sea. Talking with Christian friends. Talking with friends, Christian friends, yep. Anywhere and everywhere, spiritual man. Wonderful. When things are really tough, that's interesting. Walking with the dog. Yeah, anyone else? Sounds great. Sitting on your bed with the sun streaming. <coughs> in the car. Love it. Sitting on the bed, sorry, when it's raining outside. Yeah. <laughs> when it's sunny, when it's raining. On the bus. On the bus. Yeah. Fantastic. Anyone else? When you're running. Who said that? When you're running. Phil. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Some of us sense other things when we're running. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> Anyone else? Especially at this time of the year when we can see all of God's creation. God's creation in spring, summer. Yeah. We're here in worship? House groups. Yeah, all mission communities as they're now. Yeah, we're in small groups. Anyone else? Say again? Sunsets. Yes, God's never painted the same one twice. Church. Brilliant. Mountains. Mountains. In your garden. With your grandchildren. Wonderful. Say again. When you're ironing. That's, that is a, an amazing gift. Yes. <laughs> If you come in with crinkled clothes, we'll say, what's happened to your relationship with God? <laughs> fantastic. Any more? Moments of despair. Moments of despair. Yeah, fantastic. Being on a boat. When you're on a boat? Yeah, definitely. I think we could go on for a long time. It's interesting, isn't it? On a train? On a train? Public transport. God's on the public transport. When you're waiting. For a bus, yeah, downtime, those kind of dead bits of time. Before a plane takes off. Before a plane takes off. <laughs> 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 Love it. Love it. Here's the truth 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The Spirit decides which gives gifts to give to each of us. The body of Christ has many different parts, just as any other body does. 
and Ephesians 2.10. God planned for us to do good things and to live as he always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are. There's something about the way that we are one body but have many parts. Paul is trying to get across to us that we're not all the same. We, we form the body of Christ, but we are so different, we are so distinct, we each have the, our own special way that we function, and we're unique. And we have ways that God wants us to live. God sent Christ to make us what we are, and we are all so different. Is it any wonder that we encounter God so differently? Some people encounter God powerfully through, the, through art, or icons, some through architecture. There's a whole thing going on with cathedrals across the country where people are flocking to cathedrals to encounter God because there's something about the architecture and the majesty and that is so different from our culture now that it's like otherworldly and, and pe people just love to find God in the cathedrals. So sometimes it's architecture. Sometimes through music, listening to music or playing music or singing. Sometimes it's through nature. You know, a lot of people talk about encountering God in nature. We talked a bit about that with mountains and sunsets and, and this time of year and spring and just watching everything explode with colour and life and you find God in those places. Uh, sometimes, uh, well, it can be through, through all sorts of things. Sometimes it can be through silence. Sometimes it can be through solitude. But others through fellowship. Sometimes it can be through downtime and rest, others through a neck-deep demanding project. We are completely different. Here's the point. How you are wired will affect how you encounter God in prayer. And we need to be attentive to that. We need to be doing the things that help us to encounter God the easiest that will help you to sustain a life of communion and encounter with God. So, I want you to think a little bit about how you're wired, your makeup. And in order to help you to do that, maybe I'll, I'll share with you a little bit of my wiring. <laughs> I think I'm a strange mix. You might have already worked that out. I, I often encounter God's presence when I'm listening to the Word preached, when somebody's Expounding the word, preaching the word, I just sense God's presence. I think it's part of my learning style. I'm audio kinetic, and because I'm dyslexic as well, there's something about the way I learn in an audio way, and also by doing, that, that allows me to engage more deeply with anything. And so I engage more deeply with God in that way as well. It's part of how I'm wired. I find it easy to meet with God in nature, as has already been said. You know, I, I, I'm often just blown away by the beauty of the natural world and God's handiwork. I also need to move. I find it really hard to sit still and pray. I don't know if there's anyone else like this. Um, I try, I, I've got a whole book of spiritual disciplines. One of the things it said um, was stillness. And I tried that for some time and I just kept falling asleep. <laughs> I, I find stillness really hard to do. It's not that it hasn't got anything to say to me, it has, but I just find it hard. And even when I, I'm praying on my own, I don't pray sitting down, I, I'm pacing. I just, I'm, I'm pacing and I'm praying, I just have to keep moving, otherwise I am out like a light. <laughs> it's the same when I try and put my kids to bed and read them stories and we pray with them and normally I'm asleep before they are. <laughs> Mary has to come wake me up. 
So when I prepare preaches, I like to use the, the kids' own bee room because it's quite long and it's quite a line and I can just pace up and down and I'm wearing the carpet out of there. Um, but it's, it's been amazing having a dog because once or twice a day, I get, you know, 40 minutes or something out with a dog, on the move, pacing in nature. And there's something wonderful about that. It does wonders for my prayer life. I encounter God easily there. By nature, I'm also an idealist and a dreamer and a builder. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to me that I sense God's presence and pleasure powerfully when I am imagining and planning towards the future. But, you know, if I'm really honest, I think I sense him most when I'm taking risks. When I'm way out of my comfort zone, when I'm out of my depth, scared out of my wits, and desperately dependent upon him to show up in some way. Seriously, secretly, I love that feeling. Oh God, how did I get myself into this? <laughs> and then just to feel the Holy Spirit and that moment of, okay, I trust you, I'll have a go. I feel God so closely in those moments. I feel him so much with me. That moment when I say, let's do this. And I was thinking in preparation for this message, why, why am I wired that way? And to a large degree, I don't really care. I just accept that that's yeah. who I am. And I don't need to know all the answers. I'm just happy with that because that's how God's made me. But as I pondered over this, I was reminded about how my own father and I used to connect best as I was growing up. My father was a builder and a restorer of old houses and old cars and old pieces of furniture and toys. He loved to take things that was broken and make them work again. And he could make anything work. He was very, as the Greeks say, techni-wise. You know, there's many kinds of wisdom. He had that kind of techni-wisdom. He could just see how things work. He was a brilliant engineer. Uh, he had mastered the working of so many different materials. He was quite an artisan when it came to making things. Uh, and he also had the mind of an inventor and a, a commitment to real quality. He was an extraordinary man in lots of ways. He also had a great sense, sense of adventure. And I loved this about my dad. So as a boy, I think my father and I enjoyed each other the most when we were either building something, designing something, or trying something with an element of danger that neither of us had done before. <laughs> So as I was thinking about this, I remember being eight years old and my father had taken on a massive um, restoration project of a big farmhouse with outbuildings. Uh, and we'd, we'd finished the farmhouse, we'd moved into the farmhouse because we lived in caravans for three years while he was doing that. And uh, I remember he, we, we were now moved on to the barn and he was restoring this barn which was about four stories high. It was a big thing. Um, and he built the walls, he built the roof and he was just, he was now slating the roof. And I remember being eight years old, up on the scaffolding with him, up on the eaves, crawling around the roof like a little monkey, trying to help him. Um, and in the long summer evenings, he would work to, often until like one o'clock in the morning. He's, he was a bit of a workaholic, um, but he loved it. And he, he just loved getting to the end of a project. 
And so I was up there with him. And I remember it must have been probably only about 11 o'clock at night, but my mum let me stay out with my dad because I was helping my dad. And I fell asleep on the roof, <laughs> literally kind of on one of the gables, like that. The, the, the tiles were still warm from the sun, and I'd just fallen asleep. There was scaffolding one side, and I, I, I just nodded off. And my dad just realised I'd gone to sleep, and then just came and picked me up and took me down. Because if I'd rolled off the wrong side, I'd have gone straight down. Um, but I remember just loving being out with my dad until really late at night, working. And there was other times where we really connected, like when I fired a shotgun for the first time. I just remember there, just holding this thing, saying, you know, my dad told me to brace my shoulder. And, uh, I was probably only about 10. Um, and the first time that thing went off, I'm feeling the kick in my shoulder. Uh, but my dad said, okay, take the safety off. And just, ah, oh, it was amazing. Usually I was just relegated to rabbit carrier. Sorry if there's any veggies in the house. Um, but this was amazing. You know, I got to fire my dad's gun, which was like part of him, which was cool. But I think it was when we were building uh, something that was just the two of us. That it was, I, I, I sensed the connection with my dad the most. And so I remember when we, we built our first go-kart. Oh my goodness. He's sitting there with this pile of pram wheels and timber and springs and a bucket seat from off some buggy or other. And just us there with a big piece of paper saying, how are we going to build this thing? It was so much fun trying to put that thing together. But even more vividly, I can remember sitting on that contraption at the top of a thumping great big hill, ready to do the first run. And this is the big one. This is the one where you test if the brakes work. <laughs> and any sensible person would start with a small hill and build up from there, but not me and my dad. Oh no. We just chose the biggest hill we could find, the one with the river at the bottom. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying, are you sure you want to do this? And me taking a big deep breath and saying, I think I'm going to need a push. And off I went. There was something about the way that we were both fully invested in those moments, with every fibre of our beings engaged in the experience that I think has made me who I am and shaped the way I relate to God, I think. There was no, no break whatsoever in the connection between me and my dad in those moments. And I think that has, that has forged something in me of how I relate to God. When I sense God whisper in my ear, Hey, should we build something that neither of us have ever built before? Something that's going to take a lot of commitment and put you right outside of your comfort zone. I feel that twinkle in God's eye and the beaming smile on his face. And he knows that I can't resist. I feel his presence and such a strong connection with him. It makes me want to straight away get my phone out or get a piece of paper out and start writing down or sketching a vision with God. And for me... Those are my burning bush moments. I, I might as well be Noah drawing an ark in those moments. I might as well be Abraham counting the stars in those moments. Or Nehemiah inspecting the walls. Inspiration and trust and nerves and excitement all come tumbling into intimacy and joy for me. 
Or maybe like Eric Liddell from Chariots of Fire. Do you remember what he said? He said, God has made me a missionary, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. He was somebody who understood how he was wired. And there was something about doing what he was born to do, something what he was natural at, something that he was, was just the way he worked, that brought intimacy between him and God. He sensed God's, God's pleasure at him being him, doing what he does best. And he met God in that way. Well, I feel his presence and his pleasure when I'm designing and building and taking risks. So now I do it on purpose. I ask God for opportunities to design and build and take risks with him. Not in a way that involves the whole church, because I don't want to, you know, lead you lot around a merry goose chase with every idea that pops into my mind. So not everything finds its way out. But just often between me and God. He continually provides me with opportunities to, to plan things, to design things, to build things, but also to take risks, to put me out, out of my comfort zone personally. And that's where I meet him so powerfully. So, what about you? Perhaps it's worth reflecting on our early experiences. Our early experiences have, for better or worse, helped to shape us. A lot of us are hardwired through our experience of our parents, whether we like to admit it or not. You are unique wired differently to everyone else and God can relate to you in your unique way that's the truth now maybe it's worth pausing here just to say a little side word that some of you may have had quite bad experience of your parents growing up so maybe some of you sense actually that's maybe why I, I struggle to connect with God because maybe my relationship with my own father wasn't that great or whatever but that can happen and I want to encourage you, I want to give you hope today that God can change your work. God can change how you relate to him. And sometimes just identifying some of those feelings that come up as you seek God can be the first step in, in repainting your picture of God and rediscovering new ways of how God wants to relate to you. And if that's you, if that sort of chimes with you, I'd love to speak with you because we'd love to help you with that. But God does know how to relate to you as you are wired. So, I say that again, you are unique. Wired differently to anyone else and God can relate to you in your own unique way. That is the truth. <coughs> Here's the territory you may wish to explore. If you identify that you relate to God more easily in certain ways than others, start doing those things on purpose. Get intentional about it. It does your prayer life no good if you expect yourself to encounter God exactly like somebody else. You just find yourself being frustrated and demotivated and guilty. I'm all for spiritual disciplines. I'm all for trying ancient practices to see how they will help you. But I'm even more excited about the discipline of walking with God every day in our own unique ways and in the ways that he's provided for us. So, explore how you most easily encounter God and make a daily habit of it. Enjoy God just as you are. 
And never compare yourself to anyone else or condemn yourself for being different. Amen? Okay, final scripture. Ephesians 3, verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This verse is like a summary of my message. We have a wonderful, attentive, loving Holy Spirit within us. We have the freedom to be ourselves in our pursuit of Him. Let's also be confident and intentional in prayer because there's so much territory to explore and so much of the Lord still to encounter.